previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. It's a pelican. Ah, oh, that's what they're called. Thank you, Rombi. It's definitely a much more enjoyable experience than even I think I was hoping for. The series has managed to yet again claw itself back from the brink. And the leader of this new Umbrella Corporation is not a Wesker clone because that's just fucking stupid. It's by far the best Resident Evil game since 4. I'll let George have that one. Why? Because I got it right. Well, there's a bit of a hint of... Oh yes, Rob, that's the right answer. Thank you. Welcome to episode 40 of the Project Umbrella podcast. Like Speed 2 Cruise Control, we come back as an unnecessary sequel before sending a nasty letter to Brussels telling some bloke to fuck off. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us on the podcast today. He causes more arguments than a drunken Bruce Wayne. It's Batman. Hello. What do you call a nemesis in space? It stars Tyrant. Hello. Hmm. Do you... (laughs) He comes from a land where the number one horror is a mutated, ill-tempered sheep. It's Rombie. <laughs> oh, that old joke. And finally, he's been drawn back to this series like a Ramona is drawn to a pro-Europe <laughs> march. It's Mr. Spencer. So on tonight's podcast, we are going to be discussing uh, Resident Evil 7 again. We feel that uh, we had a lot of positive and fairly neutral feedback, should we say, from our last podcast. We're perhaps being a bit over generous. Now the dust has settled, let's re-examine RE7. Is there any negatives we want to pull up, or is it still that great game that we all, I think, universally praised in the last podcast? That's the main discussion for the evening. We're also going to be looking at Resident Evil Vendetta. The trailer dropped um, a couple of weeks ago, just as Resident Evil 7 was coming out, but we wanted to dedicate the last podcast entirely to that game, so we're going to be touching on a, a preview, if you like, for Vendetta before it actually gets released uh, to the world. We'll also be finishing off with a haphazardly put together biohazard quiz. So uh, <laughs> I'm expecting high marks from everyone in that one. So without further ado, we'll make a welcome return for the news. So the first bit of news concerns unsurprisingly perhaps Resident Evil 7 sales figures gentlemen sales figures mm. I've noticed on a lot of the forums not just PUs but Biohaze and others there's been lots of talk about has it done commercially well we know 3 million copies have been shipped and development costs have been recouped but this is poor comparatively to uh, Biohazard 6 where 634,933 copies were sold RE7 only sold 187,000 
in the first week. So that's a huge we were, difference. We there. That's in Japan. In Nearly, what, 400,000 copies more were sold in Japan for RE6 in the first week. There's some context stuff you've got to put in. Obviously, yeah. platform adoption. Resident Evil 6 came quite later in the platform life than perhaps Resident Evil 7 is. Oh, so how many copies well, did it sell again? RE7? Just short of 200,000. In Japan for the first week. Three million so far. Well, three million has been shipped. I think it's three and a half million now. Is it three and a half now? Okay. The target is four for the financial quarter, which finishes today, basically, uh, as of recording. But the thing was, the target for Resident Evil 6 was... 5 million no 6 million but it had a long had 6 months to reach that target in the financial year and it still didn't reach it so if it gets close to 4 million by today then it's still done overall better than okay. Resident Evil 6 and of course the development costs would have been significantly less on RE7 than they that's, would have been on RE6 I think, I think that's the key thing to bear in mind you know you're not looking at a, a development team of 600 people for, for some, I mean I don't know if they've given any numbers about a development team in the making of videos or anything yeah, I think. definitely seems like a smaller team. The way they talk about how it's been put together and what CVX Freak has been translating in those videos and so forth, it definitely seems like a much smaller team overall and in one location, not all over the world. That was probably Rory 6, was like too many Chinese cooks spoil the broth. <laughs> I remember reading that didn't include digital sales at the beginning, but is that, is that now been updated to reflect no, that? I don't, don't think they do incorporate digital sales that's just, yet, do they? Which is no, stupid. Just, yeah, it's, but the thing is it's inconsistent because when it's a title that's a big release digitally, they usually end up, like the remake in Zero Ports, for example, because a big bulk of the sales were digital, they end up like including those quite early on. It's, it's weird. They're very inconsistent. And, and as I said on Biohaze, it's one of those things that they do. It. They'll bump numbers and put out these press releases purely because it looks good for the bottom line or the, for the shareholders and, and so forth. They're always going to put a positive spin on anything, no matter what it is. Because I, I would have thought there would have been perhaps proportionally more digital downloads of RE7 than there would be of RE6. The technology is improving for downloads as each generation comes on. Other news comes from the fact that Resident Evil Revelations is coming to consoles, i.e. PS4, Xbox One, in the winter. How good is this? I'm quite pleased about that. So it should mean that everyone should be able to play pretty much all the main core games on the current gen. Pretty much, if the rumours of Code Veronica are true, then they'll be next. Yes, that's recently been rated. And then you can assume Resident Evil 3 will be probably being remade with 2 as we speak. Here's my question. So Code Veronica is being updated again. I would imagine it's just going to be a a straight port of the HD version that came out. And that's that's going to go PS4 and uh, Xbox One, right? PC... I hope it's going to go PC. I really do. I would say so. I wonder if they'll uh, implement a new control system to get rid of the tank controls like they did with Remake and Zero. Possibly. Mm. If it's a straight port of the last one, probably not. But if it isn't, if they do spend a little bit of time on it, maybe. Who knows? This rating system, this was reported, was it in Australia? Germany, I think it was. Oh, was it Germany, Germany yeah. sir? Oh, okay. Sorry, I don't know where I saw Australia from. And then, of course, I suppose Minus Outbreak is the only I'm potential... Uh, Chronicles games. Yeah, yeah well, that's always a port, too. I could easily see them doing because it's already been ported in HD to... Yeah. Quite a good VR experience as well, doing that. Yeah, yes. maybe that's what they'll do. They're delaying it a little bit, so just rushing out. Other bit of news, the follow-up to what we classified on the PU podcast as being brilliant, Biohazard The Stage, its sequel uh, is coming up, Biohazard The Experience. 
currently playing in Japan in theatres. DVD coming out in July. Is this uh, a musical orientated one? No, that's the voice of Gaia. That's about whale blood. But this is the experience, an experience. And it's another theatre show because uh, I presume the stage went down very well with critics, uh, resulting in, in a follow-up. Has everyone read the, uh, the synopsis? Briefly, yesterday. Mr. Spencer, are you aware of this, this new show coming in Japan? No, but I'm certainly interested. Uh, I don't know the synopsis about it just yet. Thirteen strangers awaken in a strange mansion with no idea who they are or why they're there. One of them gets bitten by a zombie and a desperate fight for survival ensues. As they rely on each other, distrust soon spreads throughout the group as they work to unlock the mystery behind their situation. So it's Saw with Resident Evil, basically. <laughs> it sounds very it, it's Saw 2 with Resident Evil, yeah. It sounds like a good premise for a stage play, though, because I was honestly surprised at how action-packed the first one was. Yeah. Yes. But didn't they promise in this one it's not going to be as action-packed? Isn't that part of the synopsis? Yeah, I, read? But I think that's a good thing. Hmm. I wonder if they do link it at all with the stage. As far as I'm aware, I think it's completely unrelated. It has um, Rachel in it again, but I don't think she plays Sophie Holm, Damn. the BSA woman. Need more Sophie. Oh yeah, that is coming out on DVD. So hopefully we can expect a um, a rip either on YouTube with a nice translation, which we got to watch last time. Fingers crossed with that one. So we will definitely look forward to that. Heavenly Island news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heavenly Island is now complete and a fan translation is available. We can read that at our leisurely pleasure. Batman, where is this fan translation available? Well, if you go on George Trevor's website, um, not Crimson Head Elder, but Google, and just type it in there, it should be one of the first entries. It's 50 issues long, I think. Wow. Um, and it turned out to be pretty shit in the end. It, it, got, <laughs> it got quite interesting in the middle, but it died off pretty pretty quickly. Way to sell that idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's my review. Well, that concludes the news. Uh, no site news, so we'll go straight into our sub-discussion, which we're going to be looking at. Resident Evil Vendetta, a preview. A man named Glenn Arias. He took over Neo Umbrella and Tristall's operations. He's a merchant of death. The wonderful thing about my products is that they know the difference between ally and enemy. And it's our mission to bring his ass down, not mine. God damn it, Leon. Stop! Rebecca! He's gonna use the trigger virus on New York? Time starts now. I want revenge. Biohazard Vendetta. So this is the third CGI Biohazard film coming out. Is everyone looking forward to it? Let's start with 
Batman based on this trailer? Um, well, I'm looking forward to it, even though it looks crazy as hell. I don't know how I feel about it being yet another massive bioterrorism incident in New York and this trigger virus sounds pretty shit. But I'm quite intrigued by the villain, this Glenn Arias, whoever he is. I quite like the way they're linking him in with the older storyline by saying he's taken over Tricell and Neo Umbrella's operations. And I'm quite liking this theory that's going around that he's potentially hunk as well. We've had loads of crazy theories this year, but this is one I actually like because he's the right age. And if you look at the trailer, he's clearly got combat experience. So uh, I wouldn't mind if that turns out to be true but uh, I'm looking forward to it because I really enjoyed Seven and it's slow pace and it's horror direction I'm quite looking forward to just sitting down and watching this even though it does look stupidly over the top cool cool uh, I'm really really not bothered about it from the bioterrorist point of view I think the action looks awful Glenn looks interesting but I, I you know with them playing on the vendetta angle I'd sooner that they sort of came back with a returning character to be honest but I'm invested in it for Becky because I want to see what they're going to do there. Ah, uh, yes. I just hope she's just not going to be a victim, as the trailer shows. You know, it just looks like she's going to get captured again, which the stage already did. The stage was a sort of big return to her, and they sidelined her a little bit. Only a little bit, though. She wasn't helpless at the stage. No, but it'd be a shame no. if they just sidelined her in this. You know, we've waited so long to see her again, I don't just want to see her be reduced to a prisoner. Rombi? I think I'm the least enthused of this one of the three. To me, there isn't a lot of intrigue that I'm actually interested in, the idea and the virus and all that. It's not exactly endearing itself to me but i'll still watch it it's not like i'm not going to i might end up being pleasantly surprised because i'm going in with very low expectations but right now not that enthused <laughs> not that enthused. it is worth saying as well we have had confirmation that roger craig smith is no longer chris redfield oh that's surprising going along with the look that they've made him look like it's uh-huh. i'm sure we'll briefly touch on that uh mr spencer are you looking forward to this film originally i was at the Opinion that there's a yeah, whatever kind of deal until I heard Batman mention, wouldn't it be cool if it was Hunk? And I thought, actually, that's really awesome. They could do like some kind of thing, like an MGS2, where he says, like, I'm uh, Shalashaska, also called, and then he's like a sort of a flashback to Ori 2, and it's like Hunk or whatever, you know, sort of thing. So it could be Hunk, yeah, how idea of it being Hunk, but. I'm also thinking, would he really give a shit about taking over a company and continuing all that shit? He was a grunt, you know? I don't think he really would have done that. He's just a grunt, like uh, Nikolai. Would it be fair to say you're intrigued? Probably watch it, yeah, sure. Whether or not I'll enjoy it is a whole different matter. Well, the trailer dropped. Would it be fair to say, gentlemen, that it's a a trailer of two halves? Because it kind of gives a false impression at the beginning that this is going to be a slower-paced, mansion-esque, traditional B-horror film, which is a move away a lot from the first two CGI films. But then it all does go a bit John Woo on us. Yeah. The imagery for the mansion and that looks good. I think the IGN released a little making of segment last week and the producer said it was like a homage to the first game, partly because they decided to bring Rebecca back after all this time. And I think, like you said, unfortunately, this mansion bit will probably be the first sort of 10 minutes of the film and then it'll just explode into mindless action for the rest of it. Yes. I mean, for me, I quite enjoy the first two films. I wouldn't say they were particularly great, but they're certainly not bad. But neither Degeneration or Damnation had a proper good villain. So I'm looking forward to this Glenn Arias 
because he looks like he can certainly handle himself. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing a proper villain in one of these films for a change rather than just, you know, the, the cliched English bad guy. Who was the bad guy in Damnation? He had the female president of the uh, Slav Republic. That was it, really. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I never know. The only problem about the bad guys, we already know what happens to them thanks to the trailer. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you put that in there? That's just... Yeah. Actually, that said, even if they didn't put it in the trailer, there's a good chance we could have guessed that with 99% accurate to be quite honest. Yeah. That theory that, that then Glenn is hunk, that would be really silly. Not silly, but that would be an unfitting end, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think it will be Hunk, obviously. I just thought it could fit, because he can obviously match his Chris in terms of physical skills, and he's the right age, you know, late 40s. But I don't think it will be Hunk, I just think it would be a cool little twist. But I'm still struggling to think where this vendetta angle comes in, because there's nothing evident in the trailer. Unless no. he is unless he is like an ex-member of the family that's wanting revenge on the US government and the BSAA. But... I'm presuming it's him that captures Rebecca, so maybe she's got something to do with why he wants revenge, I don't know. Well, I think what we'll hope, Vendetta would have a link to the stage if he needed to capture Rebecca for some reason. There's a story that they could flow from that quite conceivably. She ruined the um, whatever virus was in the stage, I can't remember. I don't think there will be a link because I would say two-thirds of the fan base won't even have watched the stage or they'll know about it but they won't have any interest in it. I think Rebecca does get captured because she does create a vaccine to this trigger virus. So she gets captured at a university. If we go to the vendetta angle, is it looking more likely that the vendetta is going to be completely self-contained in that the vendetta will be formed within the film and then enacted in the film as opposed to a long-standing... I feel that's more likely to happen considering we don't have any very obvious answers as to what that is. Unless it's what a it nice be, third I mean. surprise where uh, you know, mm. we are going to get... Frederick Downing. Frederick Downing. Coming back. He's probably chilling out in prison with fucking Morgan Lansdale right now. <laughs> Say, hey, how's it going? What are you in here for? Well, I tried to fucking use a laser satellite to blow up a... So, all right, I tried to sell the G-Bars to terrorists. (laughs) Your plane sounds better than my one was. I would have got away with it too with those damn Redfields. But that would work to an extent in the sense that you could have, if the Vendetta was not, maybe not against Chris, but maybe against Leon, you could have then easily tied that into Degeneration. Maybe there'll be a nice third act surprise that we don't know about yet. I think that's optimistic. I think you're giving Capcom writers too much credit, but... Yeah, I'm not giving them any credit. uh, (laughs) I'm just, uh, you know, just going for... Well, I'm not even going for a glass half full because I actually think for the most part it looks pretty rubbish. I mean, the action just looks horrific. It does, yeah. Um, I don't don't see any more Gatling guns in my life, you know, the amount that have been overdone in this series. I saw someone say the fight between Arius and uh, Chris looks badass, but I just (laughs) see Arius spinning round in circles while Chris rolls round on the floor. It just looks more like a choreographed Mm -hmm. dance routine. It was. I was going to say, there's bits when, like, Leon and stuff is pirouetting whilst he's firing his handgun. I was like, what the hell is this? It is like a a movie representation of everything wrong with Six. It's a shame. I like to see the CGI films almost in their own little mini-universe in the same way that, you know, the outbreaks are. And it's a shame that they haven't thought about trying to connect them all up, even if it's quite small. So you could almost have a, tr- you know, a trilogy of CGI films that you could kind of watch and go, oh, OK, you know. So. Yeah, that they had a through line that was just relevant to the CG movies that yeah. consisted of. It would have been a good idea. I just don't think they planned it out that way. I think they hoped that the first film would do all right and it did. It, you know, it was, they made it as cheaply as possible, I guess. 
But um, yeah, it's unfortunately it just wasn't planned that way. In my opinion, the first film is good. It's solid. The animation's good, and you know it's got the G virus and it's got lots of story. You know, Will Farmer's quite exciting. The bit the hints with Tricell, Curtis Miller. I was going to say at the time as well, it was actually tying into the wider universe. There was some stuff yeah. there that obviously was relevant. But it, as it's moved on, it's you know there's been still connections mentioned to obviously the last one as well. But yeah, I'm a massive fan of Degeneration. I really enjoy yeah. going back to it. Now. And whilst Damnation's not as great, it's saved by the fact that you've got the super tyrants in combat, which is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think that Damnation's got a really solid third act, which I think saves the film for me, because although the action's ridiculous and Leon's invincible, it kind of feels like a love letter to the fans mm. in a way, to finally give us like Tyrants Unleashed. Mm. They yeah. it survived so much impact between throwing around, hitting yeah. stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. I saw the tyrant fight, Damnation. I just thought, why are we not making this? That's badass. That would solve every war we've ever fought right there. <laughs> just the put problem, those on the battlefield. The problem with Damnation is, though, it's pointless. It's probably the most pointless title in the entire series because it adds absolutely nothing. Yeah the story and nothing whatsoever it's very standalone now yeah. and it's a complete waste of Ada's character because they were limited in what they could do with her because she was going to be in RE6 mm. yeah they didn't link it well because it, it still can't be Simmons at the end can it and it even still says according to Newsbot on the website it still says that she's a BSA agent in that on the official damnation website yeah well people have been using that for this Chris thing with RE7 in that it's, it's a similar thing you know it's just a fake yeah. ID and whatnot. but you know for Vendetta as well I'm looking forward to seeing how Chris and Leon interact because there's clearly still a bit of tension there after RE6 hopefully that'll um, build on the promise of Six's original campaign a little more yeah and the trigger virus, I mean, God knows what that is. They've just clearly thought of that on the back of a cereal packet, haven't they? They thought, shit, what can we do now? Is yeah. another virus? They looked at Tumblr and thought, let's make a virus based on the user base of Tumblr. We've got the trigger virus. <laughs> I think one angle of it I'm interested in seeing is the fact that you don't get many titles in the series set in a real-world environment. So the fact that yeah. this is actually set in New York is going to be yeah. quite yeah. interesting. And people have been talking about that that's Chris's hometown. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't think that, that'll come into play. I don't think that's relevant. No? I don't see why it would be. What year is this game set in? We still don't know, but it's obviously after Resident Evil 6 and probably before Resident Evil 7. What, 2014? Yeah, something like that. 15? 15, 16, like yeah, something like that. Maybe it'll bridge the gap between 6 and 7, who knows? Resident Evil 7 hasn't happened yet, though, has it? In the... Well, presumably not, but we don't have a, a solid time frame of where this is going to be. Mm. But uh, the CG movies usually bridge the gap, don't they, between the numbered titles? Mm. The zombies look quite good. I thought the from what we've if you pause it, the kind of CGI or the zombies look quite creepy, quite kind of in your face kind of things, which look quite exciting. Well, they move pretty fast, so I'm wondering if the trigger virus is a, a new variant of the C virus, because that big thing that carries the Gatling gun looks pretty much like the Ustanak as well. I thought it looked more like Big Man Magini, Gatling Gun Magini, right towards the end of five. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they've just exaggerated him because, you know, it's a CG film like they did with the Tyrants. Mm. But Glenn Arias says that the trigger virus, it helps, uh, you know, it, there's a greater emphasis on control because he says the people who are infected with his virus know the difference between enemy and, and friend. And you can see the zombies are attacking him when he's walking through the woods. Yes, well this is my hope because that kind of theme is prevalent in Damnation with the liquors. So I wonder let's if... Let's have a zombie jammer and uh, let's get as many Umbrella Core references. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare. So let's get as many... Why Glenn does have a fucking zombie jammer? <laughs> well, that's another theory. It's the saying he could be uh, 
part of this new Umbrella Corporation, if there is going to be any link to Seven. Yeah, I suppose he... Yeah, yeah. Is anyone going to go and see it? Because it's opening for one day, isn't it, worldwide, in cinemas? I think that's just America. I don't think it's worldwide. Oh, right. I like theories. This is good. This is us in our optimistic mode, saying, um, you know, as many connections as possible. The fact that they've already mentioned in trailer Neo Umbrella and Tricell, that's a good thing, although I still wish Tricell was still around, if I was being honest. Well, I'm wondering if he's a member of the family, because, you know, he obviously has connections to be able to take over Tricell's research and Neo Umbrella's research as well. Do you think this is the opportunity that they've been waiting for to get rid of the family because they've realised it's shit? Potentially. Maybe this is a way to close off the lingering storyline from Resident Evil 6. Yes. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, so we do see someone turn into a tyrant, which looks to be in super mode, and then yell out the word Redfield. We could all assume this is probably Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> there's a dead giveaway if you know where to look oh is there oh okay, okay. I, mean, I don't know whether you want to keep this on but he has the same scar above his left eye is it yes yeah uh, you had a pretty good chance of guessing that was going to happen anyway you can it's see not... the exact moment when he turns into a tyrant monster <laughs> it's not like they haven't followed this same worn path before I know they really oh, don't like bad. keeping villains around now do they it well the prison's this... getting pretty full it might be this Wesker clone we're on the verge of getting <laughs> <laughs> no, we went there. Going back to the trigger virus and the kind of super tyrant, it did look to be quite a T-virus based tyrant. It seems to be a T-virus E. So I wonder, I know your theory is it perhaps um, the trigger virus is a C-virus product. I wonder if it may be a T-virus variant as opposed to a C-virus variant. Just because of that reaction, you know, he looked quite similar to the Tyrant R from the Outbreak series, except with the head kind of in his heart. Yeah, no, very possible. Which is good. I like tyrants. I think tyrants are the best thing in the series. And the, and the more they, yeah, I think it's all right, sure. It's all right. The more they're <laughs> really good weapons. Why are we not they funding are. this? Because the more you they saw damnation. Get a couple yeah. of those on the field. ISIS ain't gonna fuck with us if we put one of those on the ground. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> well, I think what's been quite good about the Tyrant series is that they've kind of followed, you know, that there's been so much logic in their development, you know, kind of leading up to Nemesis and controlling an MO discs in Outbreak and things like that. It's all been quite, you know, we're making the ultimate BOW, then it all got a bit silly. You know what I think would be a really good direction to take with Tyrants? In that, you know how they're designed to be this ultimate weapon, you know, for the battlefield? Imagine there's like a story where he battled a bunch of soldiers and he felt that it would be made obsolete by the arrival of these new weapon systems, like the movie Soldier, where oh they fight you know, with uh, Kurt Russell. Even so you have this to find his way into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just have Kurt Russell play this like guy who's like, oh, I'm a U.S. Army guy, but they brought these fucking tyrant fuckers in that are just way better than my troops. And then he fights one in hand-to-hand combat, kills all his men. Does anyone else have any other comments they want to put on record before Vendetta yes, comes I up? Yes, I do, actually, yeah. We could also have Jason Isaacs in there as the guy in charge of it, on Umbrella. And he's like, oh, yeah, these are next-generation soldiers, and we're going to use these to uh, fight all our battles. And Gary Buse is sort of like, oh, I don't know about this, son. This might be a bad idea, but no, it's fine. We, we got it. It'd be a good idea. Right now, and Paul that's... Anderson's listening, and he's rebooting the franchise with <laughs> Resident Evil 7, the new generation. <laughs> Resident, Resident Evil 7 Soldier has anyone seen it the last film I started watching a copy and I switched it off after 7 minutes wow my flatmate wanted to go see it so a bunch of us was about 4 or 5 of us went to go see it I would definitely say it's probably one of the worst if not the worst in the series he's retconned his own movie mythology yeah, he has yeah 
Yeah, the whole thing gets rejigged, and then they set up from the last movie is completely ignored. <laughs> it completely changes. Like Wesker is now a good guy, and then Alice gets her powers back. Oh, actually, no, wait. It was a setup, and Alice didn't get her powers back. You know what I like? The fact wow. that when they started that. out, when they started out, they were like, hey, let's get Jason Isaacs on board because he's a good actor. Oh, shit, we can't afford him. Don't worry, just get Ian Glenn. He'll cover for him. He works hey, for cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Ian that's Glenn's a legend. Yeah, Ian Glenn's a superb actor. <laughs> he, yeah, um, what's he doing in this? Well, he probably has to the money. that, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> the, the money. Game of Thrones, he's been like, in? Sorry, the other part of the movie I'm going to talk about, I've never seen a movie with so many cuts. The editor that worked on it is known for his hyperactive cutting style. Lots of cuts are like 140 in a 60-second segment. I had to turn it off because she's, she's in Raccoon City again, isn't she? And just out of nowhere, the proper carry move from Resident Evil 5 just turns up, just completely out of uh, nowhere, that, with that, no that story sequences context. In- in Washington, not in Raccoon, but yeah, she ends up going back to Raccoon. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. They just completely ignored the end of the last movie. Can I ask a few questions, Robbie? Because I couldn't bear myself to go see it. Sure. Look, Charles look Ashford. At Nick, look at Nick. He's like almost. Oh, I might buy it on Blu-ray. No, no, no. <laughs> he's ordering it now. <laughs> he's on Amazon as we speak. Charles Ashford's in it, isn't he? I read the synopsis on Wikipedia, and it turns out that Alice is more of a clone of her daughter. Oh my god. Yeah, so that happens, and then the T-virus was developed to keep her disease in check. Uh, this is how ridiculous the plot is. I can't remember if the virus causes the ageing, or if the, that was the... No, that was the problem. So she aged really quickly, so the T-virus kept it in check, and she's on the board of directors, and the whole reveal is that obviously she has a clone of this woman. Oh, God, it's so ridiculous. I saw the novelization in Waterstones and decided to oh, read God. The, the last page. Can you possibly tell me if this happens in the film... Wesker's okay. blood is alive. <laughs> no. Okay. The way the movie ends is she heads to New York on a bike and implies that actually this event may not actually be entirely over, even though it's called the final chapter, setting up the potential of something else, which is fucking horrible. It's a terrible way to end the movie, but she seemingly sacrifices herself because the antidote for uh, stopping the zombies is in her blood, and then... She also somehow gets the memories of the original Alice back some weird way. It doesn't make any sense. What, uh, why is that not surprising, really? Wesker gets killed like a punk. But this is for the way he gets crushed by a door. In the novelization on the... Um, on... <laughs> he, he, said, he said he just looked at the end, but what he actually did was... I've got, no, from water I mean, he's got it in his hand right he's been now. reading it, reading <laughs> okay. it on his computer. Yeah, he's got his reading glasses on now, and he's just perusing through it with his finger <laughs> like a... Like a... Like a like an encyclopedia going. So I think you're fine. Just that thing dude, where he licks his finger, he licks his finger, and just sort of like that. See what uh, that that's pay do yeah? You know, like what? <laughs> Highlighted sections that he wanted to discuss. <laughs> the opportunity to come up. A little post-it note sticking out the top. <laughs> the end bit from what I remember when I picked it up in the shop just to have a look at. Now I've got it. The epilogue is that after what had ever happened in the film, Wesker's blood was still in the hive and this blood was thinking about when he could come back to the uh, upper ground out of the he's hive. Back into the hive, yeah. Yeah, he's buried in the hive. And so this blood was thinking when he could come back to the ground oh, and infect everyone again. I love how well you derail this. I, I, I'm going to say, 
say I didn't stick around to see if there's anything after the credits, so maybe there's a scene I didn't see. Imagine, right, it was in the movie, and this pool of blood is going around thinking, but it's DC Douglas's voice, and he's like, I wonder what I should have for breakfast. Like, it's like, the, thing. the worrying thing is, uh, like, this, you sound genuinely intrigued by this. You sound more interested in this than you do in <laughs> Vendetta. Vendetta. <laughs> Oh, so like, yeah. Only Paul W.S. Anderson could direct these CG films. There might be some blood animating around. It'd be great. You know, I really regret the fact now that I've brought up the movie Soldier because it led to this. <laughs> yeah, it led to this. It's all your fault. It is no, all your fault. I'll tell you what the worst part of the movie is. So Ian Glenn's character, he has clones of himself as well. So it turns out that's how we saw him in other movies where he got killed is that he's got several clones of himself running around because he was on the board of directors as well. And his real version is in the hive along with uh so his normal version is, is he normal human self like his actual original self it's, it's like in a cryo chamber and he appears later in the movie and he has the superpowers he's I can't if it's his glasses that are augmented or if he's just really so there's a scene that plays out really weirdly where Alice thinks about all the ways she can attack him by like looking at instruments in this desk area because it's like this boardroom area and um, every time she goes to do it, it has him killing her because then it shows that he's got this ability to like see what she's able to do before she even knows it it's so weird it makes no sense paul anderson's watched sherlock holmes then with uh, yeah robert downey jr exactly but done it in a weird like technological Wait, yeah it's so weird it's like why did you even bother doing that that's basically the whole movie and there's all these segments you're like why did you do that sounds really dumb why are we talking about this why <laughs> I know, I know. Shall, we, shall we move on shall we move okay. on please Please, yeah. So we now move on to our main discussion. It's the post-mortem discussion of Resident Evil 7. Ethan. Ethan. Hey, shh, shh. I know, I know, I know. I'm not going to hurt you. Hell, I never would have if I could have helped you. What do you mean? I'm no killer, son. Neither is Marguerite, nor my boy Lucas, or even Zoe here. That girl, Evelyn, she did this. What the hell is she? Now, what did she do to you? She infected us with her gift. That's what she calls it. I found her near a busted out tank in the bayou. Everything changed after that. So she infects you and then she takes control? No. Not exactly, son. She just... She forces a way into your mind, your soul. You can't fight back. You are connected to her and you can't resist the urge to... different person after that just like Mia so Mia sent me that message because of Evelyn listen the girl just wants a family of her own she's the key all right you find her and you stop her Ethan free my family Please. 
this is very much a follow-up because, uh, let's be honest, we did speak a lot about Resident Evil 7 and perhaps we weren't as balanced as we could have been. But saying that, it's a great game, folks. It's a great game. You know, we're not going to sit here and say it's crap when it's not. I stand by some of my points. I raised a few negative points, such as I didn't think it was particularly conducive going forward with Resident Evil 2 Remake. I didn't see how it was going to work there. I felt that first person didn't add a lot. I think those points are valid criticisms of the game, but not one that hindered my enjoyment any less so than it did, so... I, I wanted to respond because there was a couple of people that commented about the score thing. Like people forget that we're being subjective to the to the quality because there were some comments about how you rated this higher or as highly as this game and not as high as this game. It's like it's subjective to the experience. Like I think we all basically rate it on a scale of enjoyment from one to ten rather than against each other. So just because one other game got an eight or a nine and then we gave this one a nine or whatever, you know, like I don't think it's we're not. It's a sliding scale of each title. We're not comparing each game to each other it's what we rate that particular game out of 10 i mean we're not an actual game review website we have no clout (laughs) right it's not like it's just a personal yeah it's it's not like our we influence metacritic or some shit but it's a good game at the end of the day you know it's gone down pretty well everywhere across the board really say exactly the reviews across the board have been generally positive everyone's had their little negative bits to say about it but considering how poorly received six was across the board in general i mean there's definitely people who enjoyed it obviously and i'm not gonna say they can't have that opinion but like overall it was much more negative this has been received much more positively and i i'm surprised there's been such a kind of negative backlash to it in some respects it's obvious it's not the series resident evil 4 and it's a bit of a one-trick pony in that i don't think they'll be able to play this card again because i don't really see what more they can do you know resident evil 4 birthed a new genre with the -the over-the-shoulder camera whereas 7 actually does nothing new it just incorporated a lot of classic things in a new perspective and that, that's why it mm. worked it tightened down other ideas into a, a cohesive yeah. whole yeah but can they play the same card again probably not yeah and that goes back to my point about RE2 I just I just can't see it working in the Resident Evil 7 style I'd like to be wrong uh, and we did discuss on the last podcast how I could be wrong about that but we'll see all I would say is a lot of my personal criticisms of the game aren't actually hindered to the game itself but the gaming industry that we're in so I hate the fact that there's downloadable content available to pay for within a week that upsets me but that's not a criticism of Resident Evil 7 because that's just how games are nowadays they don't like you know 80% of the game got released and you paid full whack for the game and you got I don't mind free DLC it's fine but you know when you've got I'd love to have played Daughters and 21 I don't see why I couldn't play that without paying for it. I don't see why you need to pay for it but I don't think that's a valid criticism of Resident Evil 7 because I just, that's just how it a lot of games do that a lot of games that's my point I think that that happens all AAA titles nowadays in order to make more money that's it exactly I mean that's the sort of content that back in the day would have been you unlocked as a bonus feature after you finished the main story but yeah. now you end up having to pay for it and that is a systemic you know industry wide thing it's not not yeah, I kept comp or just a reasonable thing. I could have ranted for half an hour about that, but it's pointless, isn't it? That still is a criticism, if you want to put it that way. So um, I suppose it's now been out for quite a while now, and everyone's had a time to let everything dust settle down, the dust settles, so to speak. And 
Does everyone still feel as we did? Still a successful game? Still a scary? What about replayability? That's a key point because that, I think the first playthrough is always going to be significantly better than secondary playthroughs and you know tertiary playthroughs. I think it's still got replayability because even though the experience is largely the same each time you play through it, it creates that illusion of being different because it's the first game in ages that lets you do proper backtracking. And, you know, it's like with the mansion in the first game, you can plan your route around the game as opposed from just going from one checkpoint to the other. Mm-hmm. And personally, I like replaying these games because I, I like just searching the environments. Mm-hmm. And this game lends itself to that because there is so few enemies and you do get large moments where you're just walking around and it's just you and you know you're safe and you can really take the time to look around and i mean i haven't played the game now for about a month i just haven't had time and i'm I'm looking forward to going through it again but i think i've completed it four times now and each time i've gone through it i've found something new or something i've missed and there's still certain items i've still got no idea what how you use them you know that's good yeah i think the game's solid yeah you know it's not a a genre-defying title but what it does it it does well and i think that's all it needed to do it i mean we talked about in the last one about the difficulty levels i mean that almost in effect creates a completely different game doesn't it with the madhouse setting has anyone else finished madhouse yet other than me i feel really annoyed with madhouse because i just it's too hard to the point where i don't enjoy it and i feel cheated in a way because i like the extra stuff they've added to it Mm. but because it's just the idea of the saves and all that yeah yeah but because it's just so damn hard, especially the bosses, I just I can't enjoy it. One of my criticisms in the last podcast was about I felt that they were a bit of an enemy sponge, and that was a way of trying to minimise, uh, create the horror by just having creatures or you know the bakers that just took bullets left, right, and centre. And I, I wondered how that would translate into zombie games where zombies can only take about six or seven bullets before going down. That's my overarching concern with that. Was there enough? enemies generally could they and should they have explored a bit more variation with mold yeah. how many were there two was there two variants there was three there was, there was no, the three guy, there was there was the liquor dudes and then there was the fat guys and then the ones with the tyrant claw arm thing on them which is basically derivative of the first type i'm very mm. similar so, to the revelations ooze yes yeah, ooze, yeah. i was gonna say i definitely think there should have been more variants but for what it is, I mean, you know how to deal. I mean, I guess the balance is how you learn how to deal with them with the resources that you have. So if they constantly been throwing different versions at you. And again, I feel like maybe that's a response to six where there was just so many enemy types all the time that maybe they felt like they wanted to simplify that a bit as well. And they were limited, really, in terms of the story because the story was based around a singular bioweapon rather than a traditional viral outbreak. It was limited, yes. really, in terms of what creatures they could use, like, I think we said last time, yeah, you could have introduced a new creature for the ship, but that wouldn't have worked because of the story and the circumstances around why they were on that ship in the first place. Mm. I must say, I, I, I was never bothered by the enemy types. I mean, you know, variety is always good, but they're a good enemy. They're well designed. Mm. I love the look of the molded. It looks scary. Yeah. They look scary. It's like the looks of the regenerator thought, you know, that's a scary looking son of a bitch. Let's just make an enemy based around that. Go from there. And he did. And I like the molded. They work. You know, the U's were always a creepy enemy. And the sort of reworked appearance they had in the HD version made them look a lot more grotesque. And they've sort of built on that, I think, as well. But just to confirm for story purposes, the molded, that was effectively the vomit, wasn't it, of E-Series? Yeah. They were walking micro-colonies. They were. Yeah, and they just happened to... 
great humanoid type creatures. They were similar to the uh, the leeches in Resident Evil Zero. They were just yeah. drones to protect. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, it's but, a protection. Just, yeah. but in theory, they could have had a lot more fun with the molded in that they didn't have to make them humanoid. There's no reason why they could they, they could have there's, they could have been anything. There's a really fantastic concept art that they've released since the game came out, and it's uh, a load of baths. And there's like a really thin, almost spider-like... It looks really, really fucking creepy. Is that on the Resident Evil knit yeah, stuff? I'm, I'm saw that the list, yeah. Obviously, also, they had that making of video just recently talking about how they thought about having a dog, a family dog, mm. as a, one of the Baker enemies and have seemingly have regretted not keeping the idea in, which would have been a nice touch as well. That could have gone in an interesting way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember... Technically, isn't the Cerberus MA39 Cerberus... Isn't that based on an original... The original MA39 we never, ever see? Or am I, am I in the world of fan fiction now? How do you mean? This could be Biohazard 1 and it's since been retconned, but I'm sure because I did my own fan fiction or something like this and I remember reading somewhere that the original MA39 was never seen and that what you kind of see in Resident Evil 1 are the kind of... Just the, the guardhouse the, dogs. They are, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not the true B.O.W.s. They're more of the secondary infectants that you see in Raccoon City, but the MA39 was the original dog that they tested on and is never seen. The original MA39 B.O.W.s are the ones that escaped into the woods. Ah, okay. I think it's in the uh, director's cut guidebook. On the day of the outbreak on May the 11th, they were doing uh, a performance test with the dogs in the courtyard, and then when the virus spilt, that was when the dogs escaped into the woods. That's kind of cool, you know that? Mm. So that may mean the dogs outside in the mansion are some of them are the original test subjects and not. Because obviously yeah. you hear the howling off in the distance when you're outside. And, Maybe the one s- that killed Joseph was the original ones. But having said that, though, you could you could argue that all the dogs were BOWs because they are all referred to as Cerberus and then they officially introduced the zombie dog in Resident Evil 2, which were the secondary infected Dobermans from the really? RPD. But you made a good point about the dog before, Rombie. I could just imagine an infected dog roaming the outside bit where the caravan is. Mm. Or just turning up at random spots, much like you know, yeah. Jack as well, just when you're not expecting it. Yeah, I think it feels like in that video they've realised it was a. Mm. They should have kicked it, the idea. Well, it might get added if it wins Game of the Year. They might add it as a Game of the Year edition or something. Resident Evil 7X. Yes, something like that. <laughs> the new Whisker stump plotline. <laughs> uh, if that turns out to be true, I will seriously fucking kill myself. Wow. You hit it here, fags. You hit it here. We still don't know what that third DLC is yet, do we? No, uh, we don't. No. Whisker's blood. <laughs> well, it's gonna, it's gonna have DC Douglas's voice, like, narrating its thoughts. So it's like, squatching around the place and just, like, making noises and... Um, okay, so another area of content, I think we, we if we're all honest, we did uh, skip over a bit, was the end boss. I've recently replayed the end boss. It is tripe. It really is such a letdown. As, because for me, I thought the, the kind of, it wasn't a twist, I suppose, but when you, when you got back into the house and then there's a little old woman on the wheelchair... And you're like, oh my god, of course it's the, you know, it's what the file was referring to. This is it, she's the boss. And I like that fact that, you know, she was th- watching you throughout. And then it just kind of, it just got, it felt like someone couldn't, they couldn't think of what to do to make it an emboss. They just thought, oh, blob, tentacles, face, yeah, I'll do. To be honest though, it's, it's felt like that in the past few games for me. It's like, you get to the last quarter of five, six, and seven, and it's like Capcom can't be bothered anymore. Just you giant know, like, lobby creatures. Yeah, and dinosaurs and mutated flies and centaurs and... <laughs> 
isn't it insane that uh, the most grounded aspect of Resident Evil 6's endgame is uh, a fist fight between Jake and the Ustinak? Yeah. You know, what have we got? Leon fights a, you know, a building-sized fly. Chris fights a water monster kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you know, and Ada fights basically the Resident Evil 7 end boss, doesn't she? And even 5, as much as I love Resident Evil 5, the parts on the ship at the end are such an anticlimax. Yeah. They were draining. Yeah, God, I was stuck on that for a long time. But then I've been yeah, saying I... the same about 4 for years. Four's end boss, that absolutely oh, that, crap. That, that. That's a solid boss, that's really good. I meant the run up to it is, you know, just hordes of enemies. Mm. I don't know, I, I just found seven. I mean, I, I was, admittedly, I was playing it on easy mode. Was it difficult even in the harder settings? No. Madhouse is only difficult if you haven't got enough ammo or the right supplies with you, but the funny thing is, if you get killed, you get to choose to go back to your item box from there and then just restart so if you've got more ammo or supplies in your item box you can pull them out so it's not impossible but it's it's definitely more likely you can get killed if you don't cause enough damage I mean seemingly it took like you know 25 shots of a machine gun to trigger the cutscene to go outside and then it was like 5 acid rounds flame rounds whatever it was and then that then triggers you to fall down and then you pick up the Wesker gun and that was about 3 of them and it's all over Mm. it was pretty you know I was expecting to be like maybe running around the house or trying to find it's, weak points uh, it's definitely more in Madhouse but it's still not that hard compared to all the other bosses in that mode it's still pretty damn easy mm. I said I don't think they really thought through what they were going to do um, they obviously wanted to get the helicopter involved as is tradition I suppose to have them drop a weapon but I think they could have done more and they could have done something as simple as like the old woman just standing up that could have been quite an effective way. Suddenly she looks at you because she, you just aren't, you don't move at all in the entire game, and suddenly Except she kind of head yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they should just like suddenly gain a bit of energy, look at you, and stand up. And you know, perhaps we had like a kind of Sadler-esque boss fight that you do in separate ways, where he's not totally mutated at that point, but he's still a threat. And she's kind of like wandering around in a real tight area, and she's uh, attacking you that way. That would have been quite an effective way of stalling the end boss fight, maybe and making it a bit more impactful than what it was. Well, that's true, especially the environment. Like you could have arrived back at a house, you pick up the photo that's there, and you finally realise, oh you know you put those two things together if you haven't noticed yeah and then from there she starts stalking you go through the next room and you have that exact thing of her rising out of the chair and then she kind of stalks you around the rest of that environment until you find a way up to the attic to try and escape yeah it definitely would have been perhaps more impactful than the flashbacks that you got the hallucination flashbacks or a combination yeah. of both even possibly yes they could have even moved the mere fight to there so mere actually protects her mm. yes yeah. yes could you actually get That's hurt so by Mia at that good. point? No. No, the flashbacks, no. Have you done the Mia, pick Zoe path? I did, no? yeah. What about you, Nick? Have you done that or did you pick Mia? No, I begrudgingly chose the wife. Yeah, there's a Mia <laughs> boss fight then on the boat. Yeah, on yes, the boat, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't make it anyway, does he? No. I'm not in agreement with... Not that I don't understand what people have been saying, but I'm not in full agreement of the fact that people say, oh, because she turned up in the collective that you see with the normal Jack that she's dead, because we don't see Marguerite either. And I kind of get the feeling that that's still a collective mind. Like, it doesn't mean that they're possibly, just because they're there, they're dead. They're just part of the entrapment in in Evelyn's Mm, environment. I don't think it proves it or disproves it either way. I think it's really hard to tell. I've seen one theory that that actually is like a flashback kind of thing. 
yes. to when he's first taken to the house. The first time I played it, I thought it was a flashback, but if you rewatch it, it doesn't make sense because if it was a flashback, he's talking about things that you haven't done yet ah, and, mm. and people you haven't met. Uh, like what? Talking about the family, he talks about Lucas, yeah. he talks about, yeah, before you've met them, so yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah, I'm minded to agree with that theory because I think it works quite well. I mean, I think the theory that went round was that the family just had a, a momentary kind of period where they weren't under influence and were able to sit him down. Yeah, but that can't work because of the way the infection works. Yeah, I'm more likely to think it's like a, a limbo place where their yeah. true consciousness have been put while Eve kind of controls the rest of their mindset and functions and so forth. It's like a mental prison, essentially. Which is why I'm not convinced entirely that she's dead. Like, it could be. It could be that it's like a this weird kind of place where they could go when they die. But then again, why isn't Marguerite not in the scene? Even just standing there in the corner or something, you know, that's kind of missing. I think what they did with Zoe was a shame. You know, she was a really intriguing character for me, and I really liked it when she was around. And, you know, she was such a mystery through beginning hour and everything like that. To just have her so underused in the game was such a shame. Mm. Well, maybe we'll get a proper resolution to her in uh, Not a Hero, because if she is still alive, there's there's a good chance Redfield could run into her. <laughs> I like your your use of the word. It's Redfield. It's not Chris. I can't but, believe I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I can't believe last time I was like, Capcom should just leave it alone and not address it and, until the DLC comes out. And that very bloody day, yeah, it yeah, right, was. It's worth saying that actually. Yeah. I think you were jinxing it, as you were saying it. I thought you were jinxing it. <laughs> I said it because I knew they were going to do it. I think I was saying they shouldn't. It just so happened to be that day. It's just the unfortunate part. I knew they were going to do it eventually. So what do we think then, despite the announcement? Is it still a bluff? (sighs) To be honest, I just I can't see how it... How can Capcom... Not only do they have to explain Chris, but they have to explain where this new Umbrella Corporation has come from. It's and why it's involved in it. Yeah. yeah, I don't see how they can do it in a scenario that's going to take about an hour to complete, where you're going to maybe get eight or nine story files, most of which will be related to your objectives. I, just, I don't mm-hmm. see how they can do it. They, they can't just give you like a little text description saying, "Oh yeah, Chris has turned bad." Find out in Resident Evil Eight how this happened. You know, it's I don't find know. out in the third DLC. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one dirty trick they could pull they could make not a hero play very straight with mm. you know chris as a villain and then it you know and then the not a hero ends with find out the truth behind chris coming later mm. this year or a, a very wide hint on something that goes oh that doesn't quite match up but then yeah the next dlc is supposed to explain it yeah it would be very frustrating i think obviously seeing the comments about the photogrammetry stuff and the the, the actor and all this sort of carry on but it just belies the fact that wouldn't you then cast someone for photogrammetry who at least looks vaguely like chris like exactly yeah as we know that doesn't answer my question because they've done that before when they had the, people pointed out the uh, advertising campaigns for previous titles they've got an actor that looks somewhat like the version of the character they designed like not obviously perfect but closer to look and you could usually do that with casting yeah. i don't it doesn't add up because capcom have kept suspiciously silent on this dlc we've not had any announcements whatsoever apart from this one sort of random interview they did where they briefly explained why chris looks the way he did and i can't understand why they would do that because all it's achieved is kill all the debate across all the forums and yes yeah i'm just wondering if that's yet another bluff because the concept art in the inside report book for Chris's character, he doesn't look anything like Chris in the concept art. And this is allegedly before they tried importing, you know, his RE5 and 6 character model into the new engine. So, Which implies, again, that Chris is not supposed to be Chris yeah. someone else. So yeah. there's, there's definitely something weird going on. 
Let's hope so. Did you see my comments on PU? They've got a hell of a lot of story to put into DLC to explain the turn. And I just wrote, you know, did Chris get a telephone call from Umbrella Corps? Go, would you like a change of employer? And, oh, yes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're looking for a new career progression. You know, you don't want to be head of just North America branch of the BSA, dude. You want to head up your own biohazard containment unit around the world? Of course I do. Yes, I was thinking about leaving Clive O'Brien anyway. What's the name of the employer? Oh, Umbrella Corp. Phone hangs up. It's a huge amount of story to tell, as you said. And, um, you know, even if he did want to leave the BSA, why would he work for a company, even if Umbrella are good guys in this? Right? Why would he want to work for a company called Umbrella that has a Wesker gun? They make a big <laughs> thing of that as well, aren't they? That's one of the big things in the promotion. Why is he using well, the weapon of his old enemy? As, as it's pointed out, two people have been pointing out biohazards. It's like, obviously, the release of information there's time to the DLC. And obviously, with the gun coming out shortly, the DLC is probably due in the next month or so. They've made such an effort as well to craft a story that's completely unrelated to the previous characters you know they've made a big yeah. deal about saying you know don't get excited about previous characters because this story isn't about them and if this does turn out to be chris it's going to completely undermine you know overshadow the, the whole plot of the game but yeah. my, my thoughts on done. that though comes back to the way resident evil 4 was handled and how the backlash was like well this says that very little related to the old games and the fuller umbrella and blah 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 and so they ended up obviously making those crafting those stories around characters to tie that back in it feels like this may have been a response to try and head that off before it even happened if that ends up being the case I think RE4 is a bit different because at least in RE4 you are playing as one of the main characters from the classic series and you had Ada and you had Talk of Wesker in it so there's always original story beats. If you were playing Resident Evil 7 for the first time the only hint of previous stories occurs in the last five minutes really with Umbrella and Chris. That is the only connection unless you're going with the fact that Ethan W is... Uh... No, no one else. <laughs> No, and um, oh, this HCF thing, and then everyone was going HCF. on about us being excited about seeing HCF, and it's like, well, it's because it's a really obscure reference. Put it in the scheme of things. If it's big enough to put it out in a file and date it with 2000, which puts it in the right time frame, that's a big mm-hmm. reference. People don't seem to quite realise that. That's so kind of minute and obscure that that's quite a really nice little nod. I suppose that the irony of uh, of Chris using that weapon is that I, mean, I suppose Wesker went around creating BOWs. Now he's using a weapon of Wesker to kill B.O.W.s. I think that's where that angle's going to go. <laughs> I think that's what the resolve's going to be. It's like this weapon's been labelled as a bioweapon killer as a response to the, the bioterrorism outbreaks that Wesker was involved in. I think that's totally the, exactly what they're going to say it is. The thing is, though, in the grand scheme of biohazard, is Wesker a big player? Well, he is, because... The struggle to replace him, they've struggled to find a successor for him. So they keep going back to him. But I'm talking about in, in, in terms of the actual universe. Yes, well, because oh, it wasn't just the company. It was the information and stuff that he passed and the players he played off against each other and so forth. I mean, a lot of this is Baxter and a lot of this isn't stuff that we've seen. But because of that realisation that he was important, they've constantly kind of found, and I don't want to use the word retcon because it's not true. It's just finding more reasons when they craft a new story to tie his existence into the background or his motive or his actions. Yeah, Dark Side Chronicles, I suppose, is an example, isn't it? Just... There's only really oh, I... three or four stories in the entire series where he isn't in the background in some capacity. Mm. And even the ones that aren't blatantly implied at the time, they've later gone back and said, well, he actually was, or this such and such circumstances was. Like Resident Evil 2 is a great example. Like, if you played the game, there's no real connection whatsoever. 
and yet we, you know, later stories they have told us that yeah, he was but... relatively involved in the background of like most of what was going on. I mean, even this game, that HCF reference alone confirms that Wesker probably knew about the, uh, you know, the E-series project. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking compared to other terrorists, let's just call him a terrorist. You know, he hasn't, all he's caused is just a minor little, you know, outbreak in the middle of Africa. Um, yes, no, he's threatened. Every other thing that has happened that he's been somewhat involved still implies his involvement. So some other actor involves in the situation, but he supplied the information or the virus or someone connected to him did that because they double crossed or triple crossed someone, then he's still implicitly mm. okay. involved. Because that virus wouldn't be in the hands of such and such without his involvement, or that information wouldn't be involved, you know, without his involvement. This is a lot, and as I said, I don't want to use the word retcon because it's not a correct statement. They've just expanded his yeah. role wherever they can possibly do it because they knew he was a solid villain. And, and yeah, they probably have regretted killing him off, but at the same time, I think we've argued that it needed to be done as well, which is why cloning and multiples is quite patently ridiculous, but also potentially scarily believable because they really want to bring him back. That's the only option they've got left. I don't don't necessarily have a problem with the Wesker clone thing. I just don't think there's a lot of evidence at the moment to suggest that it's around. Um, no, I, I, I agree with that as well, but I worry that they are considering it, and I don't think it's a good idea either. I think what they need to do is figure out how to make a good villain that equals or betters the Wesker that is consistent, mm. rather than having these one-off villains that they constantly just end up replacing. Yeah. Just don't kill them off. I mean, <laughs> don't turn them into a monster and kill them off every time there's a new game. Simmons had great potential, and why on earth they did with Alex Wesker what they end up doing? I just, I'll mm-hmm. never ever understand that. And he could have had Alex Wesker and Derek Simmons teaming up together. That'd have been fantastic. Oh, or later on double crossing each other over something yeah. as well. Having both of them in the background, you know, bit, mm. bit of consistency. <laughs> well, we we could always talk about that one very frequently. So, just one last thing on not a hero. I do hope it does resolve Zoe's story. Like you say, it tells us what ultimately happens to her, and maybe it'll explain why her infection seems to be different to the others. Mm. Uh, maybe there'll be a twist in that. You know, Lucas Lucas was in contact with the organisation that created Evelyn. Maybe Zoe was in contact with Redfield and Umbrella Corps. Maybe, mm. and then that's how they got there. Yeah, lead them to yeah. that was part of their escape plan. Do you know? I, I had a belief what might happen. You know, throughout RE7, we, you kind of get these videotapes slash flashbacks slash you know whatever you want to call them. Do you think that they might do something similar with RE2? In particular, I'm talking about fourth survivor i.e. you come across the dead body of one of the uss you pick it up and you look at a videotape recording of what happened and then you kind of go into just the fourth survivor bit in first person that might be quite Um, exciting because by virtue of the fact that you've got a submachine gun it kind of lends itself to a bit more action orientated than the rest of the re2 game which will be a lot more you know classic re style i think they could change that into whatever they want but i think that would mess around with the pacing though as it is, that whole thing with um, the, sorry, I'm trying to remember the name, what's the DLC bedroom? You know, that obviously could have been part of the game, but it would have messed with the pacing in the main game quite mm. severely as a puzzle. It was a great element, and it's a great DLC as a, as a concept, but as a, if that had been in the game again, yeah, like pacing, and it might be the same with, with that sort of segment in uh, Resident Evil 2. Probably but it could be, idea. again, you unlock it as a, as a bonus mode and then put it in first person, act as if it was a, you know, a camera mount on the on their helmet that they, you know, yeah. it, would, it would make sense. They can make it a proper length game, because always issue with Fourth Survivor is that it never shows the important bits. You know, I, I want to see them actually storm the, uh, a fully operational umbrella lab, and <laughs> and then um, it's a good opportunity to do. Yeah, it is a good opportunity to do the whole thing properly and and see Birkin's demise from a perspective. 
Um, any other negatives that you feel we overlooked somewhat? I think I mentioned it briefly last time, but the graphics were very, very inconsistent. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, I'm not an expert on this sort of thing, but for me, they just they just weren't as good as what I, what I expected them to be, especially for a first-person game where you could really get up close <laughs> to the environments and look at them. You know, it was uh, quite disappointing in a lot of areas. Yeah, for, for this focus on photogrammetry and stuff, the um, mm. sample texture work that they've actually put in is not exactly the highest quality. And I think a lot of people, were, I mean, obviously was always going to get those connotations and comparisons to uh, PT, but you, you look at the texture work that was done in that by comparison. And that team that worked on PT was very, very small too, you know, by comparison. And the, yeah, the quality of work that they put into what was it such a small, re- I mean, it was one repetitive area more or less with a bunch of texture variants, but still for a short time, considering that... Obviously, Capcom is spending this money on taking lots of photo samples and doing all this stuff with the actors and, and trying to create what they consider a photo real environment. There is a, a severe lack in the um, in some of the texture work. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They couldn't get hair right. It's all very clumpy. Mia's model was weird at times. Teeth didn't look quite right. There was an article on Kotaku about the perfect teeth. Every character had perfect teeth. Going back to graphics, I found, I found the salt mines a bit bland. That, as I said, I think I talked about last time, is a very anticlimactic third part of the game. You go through the tanker section and it's like, oh, yep, yep, cool. And then it's just like some more swamps, okay, yep. And then salt mine. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you're back at the house. It's like, oh. And you realise this is like getting to the end of the game. It, it wraps up very, very quickly, but in an environment that doesn't really, yeah. I didn't mind the salt mine. I thought the, the setting of the salt mine was quite a good idea. It's going down the lifts and all. It just needed something else after it before you got to the end. There's just something missing. I, all of a sudden, it, it, I equate it to the original, like in the same concept, right? So you've explored the mansion and you've, you've gone through the guardhouse and all that sort of stuff. You get back to the mansion and then you go through the underground and then you go to the labs. But the, the salt mine is like the underground and the labs put together, but the lab area is like two rooms and then some more salt mine and then you're at the end of the game. There's, there's no final kind of build-up mm. act. It's just salt mines and then end boss. Yeah, I, I think that was the weakest part, but I think it's made up for the the ship. I thought was was extremely well laid out and quite believable, and the, the graphics there were very good, especially when the uh, when you had the flashback sequences and when all the uh, the molded took over the side of the walls. I found the ship was genuinely quite creepy when you got to the save room on like one of the floors. Was, you know, it's like yeah, I don't want to go out. I'm quite happy here. And that's good. That's the feeling that you want as you're towards the end of the game. And I think that floor was stalked by the liquor type creatures and they were quite difficult to take out. So that was a positive, I felt, graphically wise there. Very dark, very brooding. To be honest, folks, it's hard to pick out so many negatives. And I think overall, we all generally enjoyed playing it. We all enjoyed the atmosphere and then the experience was, I think we all kind of agreed it harkened back to that that original feeling that we all had in the original games. The issue I have is that the Molded, for example, I love their design, I love them as enemies, could do a little bit more variety, but I like them overall. And yet the danger of them, the scare factor, was completely undermined by the fact that uh, their worst enemy is a fucking door. You just close a door on them and I, oh, can't get through here, boys. You know, we're stuck. So you've got closing doors on Moldy. They can't open doors, but they've got the screen tearing. That's their weapon. You know, Yeah, it's but I just... like that. I, I like really? that. Yeah, that was always part of the original, isn't it? It's only when mm. they kind of introduced the nemesis that you actually, um, that doors were no boundaries. In 1998, yeah, sure, but this is 2017. <laughs> you don't need to keep that sort of thing going. It would have been great if Moldy could find a way to get through doors. 
that kind of thing. But you did have to close the door in order. Yeah, you had to close the door, and it would. Yeah, that, mm, there is that. That's, if you left it open, you'd be screwed. You were talking about the ship earlier, weren't you? I was saying, yeah, graphically, it was a lot better than other areas in the game. I think the ship was the creepiest part of the game. Because that part where you're playing as Mia and you've got no weapons and you sort of you go, okay, what are we going from here? Well, I need to grab that. There's a fuse. What's putting in there? Yes. Let's yes. turn around the corner. Oh, what's that in the distance? And that shadow moving up, creeping about. I see you there, buddy, skulking about over there. Not going to go that way. So you go the other way. Oh look, there's another one up over there in the, in the distance somewhere. So you're like, okay, which way do we go here? And sometimes not having weapons is is all you need to make something scary because it's like, oh god, I can't fight back here. I have to run. Yeah, so there's that. You go through that other door by the. I think it's by the. Is by the washing machines or something like that in, in that room. I know it. Yeah, you go in. So, that's where you get the um the fuse, I believe. Yeah. The general and general not, all-purpose fuse. <laughs> and then they then another one pops. Like, oh, shit! Run! 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 Oh, yeah, he dro- Yeah, when you go grab the fuse, he drops down from the ceiling. It's classic. And then you've got to run back out of there. Yeah. It's classic. I thought the ship was very good, and I felt what made it important was it felt very different to the previous ships that we've been on in Resident Evil. And as we pointed out, we've been on quite a lot of ships in Resident mm. Evil. So, you know, it's very different from the Zenobia and Spencer Rain and Starlight. I wouldn't mind seeing a first-person Spencer mansion now. Yes. I think first-person yes. is kind of the way forward. I'm going to take mm-hmm. a very controversial opinion here and say, first-person, stick with that from now on. I liked it. But have the option to switch around maybe like Dead Aim. Yeah, to play Dead Aim. Um... Does anyone have any, have any other points they wanted to raise about perhaps... Yeah, did anyone feel they were being overly positive in the last podcast? And now on reflection, actually, it wasn't as great as I made out. No, I think I've still got the same opinion. I said at the time, I don't think it's in the same league as the original trilogy on the PlayStation. But I think this is the best Resident Evil title we've had for well over 10 years. Yeah. I think it's just fun to play. The story's intriguing. I, I don't like the way people are criticising the story because as it stands, it, it's unfinished. We've only got half, you know, we only know half of what's going on well, that's, um, that's really the only criticism you could weigh it it's like well it feels like an unfinished story well yes fair enough <laughs> yeah. but we said before that's the culture of modern gaming rather than a fault of this title in particular mm. um, yeah it's just a fun game to play and i don't think you can criticize it for being first person because re4 pioneered the over shoulder camera which was you know it's been copied so many times since i don't think you can blame re for giving first person a shot i still maintain my score of last time which was an eight I'm happy to stick with that. I think by comparison to you guys, like a lot of you haven't obviously finished Madhouse and you need the opportunity to replay it. I think I've finished everything I can in the main story and I haven't finished playing all the DLC and that's definitely where my focus. I probably won't replay the main game anytime soon, but that's not because I didn't enjoy replaying it several times over when I was playing it earlier. I just think I've done my dash with it. But it's not that there's a lack of replayability, but I definitely think it's probably one of the weaker parts of the game overall. It's interesting because my opinion hasn't changed in the sense that when Ori 6 came out, I, like a lot of many other people, really just lost interest in the series. Like, you only have to look at the past podcasts I've been on to know that my you can tell my interest wasn't there with the series. That I didn't care about the series. And, you know, that went on for a while. But Ori 7 is the game that has brought me back into the series. I mean, Sean, even you noticed this when you said that I, um, it is good to see me have a renewed interest in the series again after being out of it for so long. And Ori 7, I have to thank for that. Because it's, it's the game that kind of got me into it. So, 
yeah, my opinion's not changed. I think it's uh, good. Well, you've heard what we've had to say about the podcast. What about our listeners? Now, we apologise, and a caveat did go out on the last podcast. We did have some call-ins where we did promise to get back to them when we came to part two. So let's take a listen. The first call-in comes from Wesker versus Chris. Hi, guys. This is Mike from the forums, uh, a.k.a. Wesker versus Chris. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, as a avid fan for 20 years now um i'm pushing 40 here uh yes i was uh i was a teenager when the first game came out i'd like to give my impressions on uh, resident evil 7 i have to say uh just if you want some backstory what i feel about the other games quickly i I believe the first three are masterpieces and uh the remake is the greatest game of all time so going off that i'll have to say that uh i felt this was pretty damn good pretty pretty damn up there um disappointments i like to start with those first is that uh i wish there was more enemy variety but um i know i'm beating a dead horse here i'm sure you guys and i know many others have uh said this over and over but uh yeah that would have helped um the second half of the game is definitely a letdown compared to the first half. Uh, having said that, most of the games are actually, when I think about the franchise as a whole, that seems to be true for the most part. But um, the puzzles were just uh, got awful easy, you know. I don't know if this was more of a reintroduction, maybe, you know, to garner in some new fans and, you know, uh, kind of make it easy, I guess, uh, for them. And then maybe, you know, the next game, amp it up, you know, you got a new fan base, you know, the old with the new and amp up the difficulty and, you know, throw in more monsters and make the puzzles crazy. And, you know, maybe maybe that's what it is, you know, starting from scratch, you know, not not getting you know maybe capcom didn't want to clobber people but um i don't know i you know i never felt like i was too much in danger or anything the game seemed fairly easy overall to me um you know i played it on a uh, normal difficulty setting and uh you know never really ran out of ammo or anything but um yeah no i just wanted to say uh definitely loved it overall um you know definitely up there i would say you know somewhere in the middle somewhere in between with the whole series the whole franchise um Definitely, definitely up there and uh, on the right track. Uh, story was pretty good too. Story was pretty solid. I really, uh, I really enjoyed that twist at the end when uh, Evelyn, you know, is the old lady all along, and she screams that uh, nobody likes her. You know, the whole world hates her, and yeah, that was really good. That ending was kind of a emotional high there, and the whole red herring at the end, or well. You know, who knows what's going on there with Hunk or, or Chris or, you know, and the colored logo of the Umbrella Corps. And yeah, I can't wait for the um, Not A Hero DLC. But anyway, guys, keep up the good work. You know, overall, I'm, I'm happy with uh, what Capcom did here. So yeah, hopefully, you know, again, hopefully Not A Hero makes us all happy. Uh, that'll be great. Um, you know, at the time of this call, the second DLC expansion hasn't come out yet. But uh, I did play the first one. And uh, yeah, not bad. I mean, Bedroom was a little easy. But anyway, guys, uh, keep up the great work and uh see you later. thanks there you go i think he had very very similar views to what we've been saying across the two podcasts lack of enemy variation seems to be quite a defining theme amongst the fans but overall seems to enjoy it very very similar and complimentary of the game you made a good point about the uh, difficulty i think this is one of the easiest games in the series until um, you get to Madhouse. Yeah. It's massively the opposite end, yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Cool. But the sort of default normal playthrough, it's quite easy, I think. You get in trouble on the bosses, the jack fight in the basement with the chainsaw can be tricky, but I think that's more the mechanics of the game. Does that come from, though, the fact that we've been recently playing like the remake HD, Zero HD, so we as a, as a community come toward a game like this with a mentality of conservation? Because I know I avoided a lot of combat as much as I could, and then by mm. the end of the game, 
game, I had no ridiculous amount of machine gun bullets and pistol bullets. Whereas, like, a newcomer to the series might be more trigger-happy, you know, and not understand that Resident Evil mentality of conserving ammunition and uh, dodging as much as you can. I mean, I saved so much ammo just from the door thing, you know, locking moulded in certain areas, so I didn't have to worry about them. Whereas mm. some people might go through it, literally taking out every single enemy. Yeah. Mm, possible. I just wish they could find a better balance between these difficulty modes, because Madhouse is just ridiculously hard compared to normal, and I don't know if you remember when Revelations HD came out, the Infernal, what was the hard Inferno, Inferno was mode, and you got the extra things in there, like the wall blister enemy, and the, you know, the, there was a few extra files and things, but it was just so bloody hard, you know, you run out of ammo in the first five minutes in that game, Yeah. whereas... Well, I challenge anyone, if you play Resident Evil Zero on its hard mode, that is a perfect balance of expanding the difficulty and not killing the enjoyment. Uh, Isn't it not surprising that the director of Revelations is the director of Seven? Well, yeah. I was going to say the puzzle thing is definitely also a valid comment that perhaps we haven't really commented on. There isn't really puzzles. It's just like, here, move this object until it makes the right shadow vaguely correctly and then push the button. And then as long as it's reasonably close, it'll it'll work yeah I mean it's nice that there's a couple of hidden ones but it's not exactly like taxing uh, I remember uh, when yeah. I got onto the ship and there's the optional painting puzzle you know where you've got to match the other the wall, the wall yeah and I thought it was going to be way more complex than it actually was I looked at it and went oh so they want me to match these to the other side alright cool Good. <laughs> like straight away not even no didn't make yeah. a single mistake first time it's, it's still- like Oh. It's still pretty silly because it's like, hey, I need to use the bathroom. We got the keys. Yeah, you just got to go into my secret puzzle room and arrange <laughs> the paintings in a certain I, way, I, I and I then the safe won't look. I, you know, I like the fact that in I like how ridiculous it is in uh, Daughters. Got it right this time. <laughs> that Zoe can't escape from her own house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Wesker versus Chris, for that call-in. Yeah, as I said, I think he should uh, feel that his views are quite similar to ours, I think, overall, and some good points raised. So, who's the next call-in, Batman? Vito. Hold on to your butts. Survivor horror fans, rejoice. You got fed. You got fed good. I just can't believe Capcom actually managed to put a real Survivor horror title again. After all these years, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one now that has more hopes for the Resident Evil 2 remake, right? They more than prove with this title that they can do horror again and do it justice. I'll be the first to admit that the change to first person truly worried me at first. But after playing the game and even getting the Platinum on PlayStation 4, I can safely say that it was a very smart decision to make. The atmosphere truly benefits from this point of view. This was the first Resident Evil title that I truly felt scared by. Even creeped out since the remake. I only played it with headphones and at night. And it does really expand the experience quite a bit. I can only imagine how it plays with VR. I wish it gets cheaper soon so I can play it. (laughs) The gameplay is classic Resident Evil like examining items to get stuff, save rooms, the return of item boxes, and real puzzles. Although they are quite easy, it's all here. Did anyone else notice, by the way, the Resident Evil 3 sounds when using Lucas' keypad? So fucking good. Having said that, the game isn't perfect. It has a few downsides as well. To start off, the story simply it's not complete. 
Some of the files are just rubbish. They're shit and are really a step down from the files on 6 and Revolutions 2. Ethan is just not a character. Not a character. We learn absolutely nothing about him. Zoe gets fucking nothing and, it's, and gets grading out of the story through thirds into the game. The Bakers, while very good, we don't have enough time with them in the game, for unfortunately. Same with Evelyn. And don't get me started in that stupid choice that amounts to nothing. Mia, on the other hand, I really liked. I feel she was the only character with an actually storyline in the game. And that HCF Tibbet was masterful. Really masterful. Very well done there. And I can't wait to see if they expand on this in a future title. I will have liked more enemy variety as well. Even Resident Evil 1 has more enemy types. The game does have, though, the best and scariest enemy design in the whole series. I'm pretty sure you can guess who am I talking about. There's also a problem of lack of extra modes. The game has none. No, sorry, I don't count higher difficulty like another mode. Every game since the 2 in the series had at least one extra minigame mode or something. It's obvious as hell that they cut stuff from the game to sell as DLC. George already confirmed it with one of the voice actors of the game. I suppose since we are getting free DLC later down the line, people don't bitch about it. But it's still fucking bullshit that needs to be called out. Anyway, even with all these faults, the game is still great. Easily deserving of its place in the series of the Resident Evil title. And I cannot wait for 8. I really hope they expand on everything this game did great, fix what it did wrong, and just gave us a really great game. But first, can we please have Revelations 3 first, with Jake and Sherry as main characters, and third person, please? <laughs> anyway, see you guys. <laughs> I hate this community sometimes. I yeah, I, I possibly a bit over. One interesting point you made was um, how little the bakers are actually in the game. Because if you think about it, from when the dinner scene ends, within 20 minutes you've had Jack chase you around the house, you fought him in the garage, you fought him in the basement, and that's it. Which Until, uh, yeah, and then Marguerite as well. At least you play Madhouse, and then it's a little yeah, bit more yeah. involved. But even then, it's not excessively more. No. Mm. And I think he was a bit harsh on the extra modes as well, because you've got Ethan must die, Jack's 55th birthday. Um, Did you have to pay for these? 21. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so season I mean, pass or separate pack. Knowing Vito from the community for a few years, he does have a big stance on like DLC ad content mm. in games, because uh, you know, uh, and there's there's nothing wrong with this. He's one mm. of those people who, when you buy a game, likes to have the complete package. And I can't disagree. You know, he doesn't have the full package that Resident Evil 7 offers on the disc, for which, from a collector's point of view, is frustrating. Because you know there's going to be the reissue... Yeah, the uh, Game once, of the Year or, edition or whatever. It'll have it all whatever. Or, or it'll get ported to another platform eventually in a few years' time when there's a new system or platform out. Yeah, exactly. um, so from that point of view, I mean, you know, he, I think he's, he's actually referring to modes that unlock with the game because there isn't any, so... Well, I hope he agrees with what we said earlier on that one, then, so... 
But you know, he's looking forward to RE8, which has to be a positive. <laughs> he's also looking forward to Remake 2, and we know how you guys... I think, like, the, the two callings we've had there just highlight that thing I had said earlier about how, as a community, they just wanted Capcom to get a good landing on a game and not actually have, you know, the internet slate the series in a way that they did after 6. It's, it has surprised me that, like, the Facebook response to our last episode was quite negative toward our opinions. It was a real surprise. It's not even just towards our opinions, but it's also towards the general feeling of the game, because I would, as we were saying before, feel that there's a a general positive attitude, so it's not just like a critique of what we're saying, it's a critique of everyone who's saying positive things about it as well. Because I I grew up with a lot of people who were into the series, and they've all sort of gradually petered away over the years, and this is the first title that we've actually like agreed on in probably over 10 years. That is a solid, really, really good mm. title. And, you know, and that counts a lot for me. You know, it's nice I've actually been able to discuss the series with people in a positive light rather than me saying, well, Revelation's too good, and that, you know, and then they just turn around and say, yeah, but I don't really care anymore. You know, whereas this yeah. has had, uh, had enough intrigue for them to actually give it a try, and, and they've found out they've liked it. And I think part of the problem as well is some people who haven't liked the switching to first person or whatever, they're, they're always going to hate it regardless of what the final product turned out like. I've no doubts whatsoever that some people have actually been quite surprised with how well it's turned out, but they're just not willing to admit it. And I would be the first person. I mean, I hate first person shoot 'em ups Absolutely despise first person shoot 'em ups like, I've never been able to get on with them. Uh, I've always found it not too fast or something, but I don't know. I, the last one I ever owned was Time Splitters. What a fantastic game that is it is but I only played it so I could make my own levels and I made some epic ones back in the day but you know everyone talks about Great Lake Quake and Doom and all these but I've just never never been into first person mode at all and yeah I, I was very much in the camp of going oh dear first person really but it's been alright I, I don't think it was needed but I don't think it um, hindered the game in any way I don't think it helped but I don't think it hindered and, uh, you know, and it was fine I would be genuinely fine. interested to see what you would think to the VR though Nick Yes, no, I I, I was a cynic all the way up to playing it in VR. Going back to the VR, because it will be coming, because it's it's VR exclusive, isn't it, for 12 months? Yeah. Yeah, which suggests it will be coming to Xbox in some way, shape or form. Yeah, and PC as well. So how would that, because, I mean, the PlayStation VR is is a unique bit of kit, isn't it? I mean, uh, is is Microsoft going to release its own version, or is it just going to be hooking up to... It's Oculus, yeah, the the Microsoft bought out Oculus, didn't they? How much is an Oculus Rift? They've come down this week, haven't they, to £400. Oh, so they're still quite expensive. <laughs> it's always going to be expensive that the technology at this stage is still quite It is worth pricey. saying that like, your PSVR is 350 quid, and the Oculus Rift is a rather substantial step up in quality in terms of the screens you get right. and things like that. You know, The PlayStation one is quite low quality for a VR experience. As, but, as far as the screens go, yeah. On the whole thing of the DLC as well, like, how have everyone found the DLC that has been released as far as content's gone? Like, what has people thought about I, the I DLC so far? I liked, um, God, what's the one where you look? Bedroom? I thought that was good. I think that was quite inventive and quite fresh. Uh, I haven't liked any of the more combat-orientated ones, but I thought Daughters was fabulous. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I found Ethan Must Die mode just exceptionally frustrating. I d- yeah. uh, the randomness isn't is not well balanced. It's, it's like the difficulty we're talking about. Like there's no middle ground to the difficulties. Is it too easy or too hard? In the same respect, the the randomness is exceptionally unfair sometimes. In that you don't get given the weapons you need to actually finish the boss, and you you can make it all the way to the last bit and just find that you don't have enough ammo because not because you've wasted it, but because you were never given it in the first place. It's uh, it's definitely not very well balanced at all but yeah the rest of the DLC I enjoyed this email came in from from Marco Dukic who said now with Resident Evil 7 as the latest entry to the series I think it would be interesting to hear from you where you think the plot of the games are going you don't really have any ideas as to where Capcom could take the story since the only true unresolved plot line is Ada Wong yeah, I mean, that is obviously an issue with the series and the current state it's in story-wise. Is, you know, Resident Evil 7 still doesn't want to explore one of the only mysteries that we had left in Ada. But then I would say the HCF angle, the other organisation, that's going to be an interesting angle for them to go down if they do. And hopefully it's not just a throwaway reference. Yeah. I'm still worried about what the implications of this new Umbrella Corporation is going to mean. I mean, are they trying to throw a reboot on us, subtly? But then why bring Chris back if you're going to try and do a reboot? Yeah. Just, uh, like you said earlier, putting Chris in this game threatens to derail all the hard work they've done about this being a fresh chapter and a new direction. If literally within you know a handful of months we're pulled straight back to Chris Redfield again and mm. Albert Wesker. The other thing about it when you look at and I guess this is a negative that we didn't really discuss, but when you look at the overall game itself, excluding the idea of having something unrelated, the game doesn't answer anything and it, all it does is add more questions. Yeah. It's, it's all it really does. There's no, there's no real answer at all to anything outstanding, any continuing storyline in any fashion uh, other than to add to the mysteries. And so that's the only hope going forwards is that it actually answers something. We need to start getting answers again because otherwise it just stagnates. Well, like I said with the, the in the last podcast, I hope what they're doing is they've learned a bit from Revelations 2 and they've sort of set up the mystery with the game to provoke discussion, get us talking about it like this. So then the DLC can come along and actually start answering the questions. But that's I'm worried that the deal I'm, isn't going to answer the questions. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm not that optimistic about it. Like, I, <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful of it. My suspicions is that we will just continue to get more questions and not really any many answers. I think Resident Evil fans have been hopeful since 2004. I think Re- Resident Evil fans have been hopeful since Code Veronica. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or even Resident Evil 2. Uh, it's time to take down an umbrella and then, you know, no. But, I mean, you know, really, I mean... Like, you know, the last time we had a game which uh, sort of neatly tied up everything it set out to do was 5, wasn't it? I can't remember there being that many questions left over at the end of 5. I don't think there was really any, was there? The Alex and Wesker children thing, yeah, that was really it. And, and maybe a little bit about the background in regards to the companies that was going on that we knew existed but hadn't been fleshed out essentially, but that was very vague in details and could have been easily explained to at the time. You know, 6 was almost... Well, it was never marketed as such. I think we interpreted that it was going to sort of answer all the questions about Ada Wong, and then they hinted that the unlockable campaign was going to be Ada, and now we're finally going to get the background of a character to literally get nothing. Yeah, it was all self-contained within the story itself, yeah. which is why yeah, we don't, I don't have you know expectations that that's not going to be the same with this DLC, that it's going to maybe flesh out the details of the game as we know it which is great like don't get me wrong but it's not going to give us more answers about the overall standing in the franchise I think we'll get a resolution to Lucas won't we and we'll get some more hints as to who created Evelyn. and you'd have to say 
the setting up this Umbrella Corporation to be a key player in, in future titles going forward. We might not even get a resolve to Lucas. He may escape. That's another well, potential option. You yeah, know. but you'd, you'd have to guess that the objective of the DLC is to find him and deal with him in some capacity. Yeah, and then does he turn into another creature or something? That's yeah. my <laughs> other yeah. concern. Yeah. Right, well, we will look forward to uh, that happening when that uh, comes along. We may have DLC answers. We may not. Who knows? But with that, we'll now move on to this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. New season. New questions. New answers. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. We have five very hastily put together questions. That's new. Well, well that's just... What's new? <laughs> <laughs> right, so if everyone can clear their desktops, you can open up Notepad. So, we've got varied questions here from different games. So question number one. From what country was the boy kidnapped to Sheena Island who went on to write a diary? <laughs> what? From what country was the boy kidnapped from Tashina Island who went back to write a diary that we later discover? Little boy kidnapped from a country. Question number two. In which Resident Evil game would you find the recipe for herb pie? <laughs> is it, could it be a non-canon game, this one? Is it non-canon corner? Or is this a canon no, game? canon game, yeah. Herb pie. Mm. Why would that be a thing? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay, question number three. Name the Uruburus B.O.W. in Revelations 2. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uruburus B.O.W. Weren't there two Uruburus type things in that, though? I'm only thinking of one. Because you had the one that had the big sort of wanking claw thing that moved around. <laughs> it was like a load of people on it. And then you had the one that you first encounter is Barry. That was really good. Right, question number four. It's a Code Veronica question. What was the name of the anti-decay alloy seen in Code Veronica? Oh, Jesus Christ. The what? Oh, fucking hell. The what? What's the question again, sorry? What was the name of the anti-decay alloy in Code Veronica? It has a funny name. Oh, I think, yes, yes. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. And question number five. I think you should get this one. What does Photo D show? Ah. What from Resident Evil 2? 
Three. Three. That's all five questions. Join us after this when we'll run through the answers. see how everyone's done quite an eclectic mix of questions i thought so from question number one was from which country does the little boy who gets kidnapped and moved to sheena island what country did he come from we'll start with mr spencer well i really didn't know this i just thought somewhere in south america maybe so i went with brazil was my guess brazil i think it was africa or congo or something like that i know it's something like that stars Tarrant? i had no idea so i just went mexico batman uh yeah i'll put congo Correct, so points there for Batman and uh, Rumbi is Congo. You almost said Robin. He almost said Batman and Robin right there. <laughs> <laughs> he almost said it. I guarantee you, he stopped himself and said Robin. <laughs> Question number two. In what game would you find the, the recipe for herb pie? Uh, just a little clue. It's in a file. So, uh, Batman, did you know this one? I think it's Outbreak File 2. Mm. Star's turn. Uh, I just went outbreak. I didn't specify a file, if I'm honest. Okay, uh, Rombie. Yeah, funny enough, I guessed outbreak. It seemed like the most likely candidate, unless it was something like Operation Wrecking City. But you said it was not canon, uh, so it was a canon game. Uh, Mr. Spencer. Uh, I went for a, it's a ridiculous recipe, so I went for an equally ridiculous game, Survivor. Ooh. Points to Batman. It is Outbreak File 2. Very good, very good. As a pie, it's like butter, cream, butter, milk, sugar, red herb, green herb, and other crap. Very similar. Yeah, other crap. Scenario, isn't <laughs> I think it's from Wild Things. I think you find it in the restaurant before yeah. you go in the zoo. But I can't understand why it's significant. I think it must be a clue to some sort of puzzle, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, a puzzle to make a fucking herb pie. Mm. <laughs> very good bats well done um, so question number three was name the Ouroboros B.O.W. in Revelations 2 uh, Ty did you get this one I was hoping it's Revenant ok Romby uh, I couldn't remember the worst thing is all I could remember was Alex Wesker injects herself with it and then I was like but that's not a bio that's not the regular bioweapon so I didn't have an answer other than that Mr. Spencer well now there were about three varieties because you had the normal ones which are called revenants which are the humanoid ones where you've got to shoot a particular part of their body like it may be the legs or the heart and the hands or something or the head right. and and they're basically created from failed team Phobos subjects that are then repurposed and they inject you with Uberus and they become revenants see I know my law now I've been playing this <laughs> so that's what those are there's revenants there's also the wanking claw dude I told you about that you meet in the mines and you fight two of those fuckers I, I, I don't know if they've got another name or not, but I'm, okay. I'm not sure. But I'll go with Revenant for now. Revenant. Batman? Yeah, Revenant. Yes, correct. Just the Revenant was all I was looking for. Um, what are those ones called, then? I think they're called Durga or something similar. Yeah. Durga. Because they're Ouroboros, too. Yeah. Were they? Yeah. I thought it was any Revenant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Should we look like, it up? It was, like, made of loads of corpses stitched together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, whatever. And don't uh, forget, Neil Fisher as well was an Ouroboros-based creature. 
Space-based creature. Uh, question number yeah, four. What was the name of the anti-decay alloy in Kovoroka? This is quite tricky. We'll save bats because he seemed, he was he said it. I could imagine twirling a moustache going. He went yes, yes, no. So we're not sure. Uh, Mr. Spencer, did you know this one? Well, I'm in a mistake because I went TGO one and that's the alloy stuff, not mm-hmm. the uh, anti-decay thing. So I fucked up there. But whatever, that's my answer. But it's still very good for saying TJ Warren. Could be right. Who knows? Rombie. It has a code name, and I cannot remember. All I know is it starts with Al. That's all I can remember. It's a weird name. I remember the chemicals it used, the Clement mixtures to, to use on it, but that's all I can remember. It's been t- way too long since I've played that game. Way too long. Uh, Star Siren? No idea. No. Batman? Is it Duploid? Very good. Very good. No, that's du- the fucking Lego block thing. No, it's Duplo, sorry. Deployed, deployed, to how everyone will pronounce yeah. it, yeah. Very good. Uh, okay, so it wasn't yeah. losing. Isn't that what you get from when you fight the albinoid thing? And there's something you find or something, you, it's, it's in that little yes, lake. you need it for the, the indigo plate thingy. That's it, and it washes down to... That, yeah, that's the, the Clement stuff, I remember that. But it, yeah. Collectively, a great memory there, folks. So there we go. But Batman gets the point. Batman's on for a clean sweep here. What does Photo D show from Resident Evil 3? Uh, Batman? You definitely mean Resident Evil 3 and not 2. I mean D, yeah. Um, bollocks, I can't remember with 3. I'm sure that's the Re- Rebecca picture in Resident Evil 2, 4 or D. But in 3, I'm not sure, so I'm going to have to guess it is the rail cannon. The photo of the rail cannon. Okay. Star Tarrant? I thought it was the SWAT team jumping out the back of the van. I think it's called the police are advancing. Oh, yes. Rumby? Uh, yeah, I remember photo D in two was Rebecca Chambers three. There's a photo of zombies. It might be that one. Mr. Spencer, well, at this rate, we've gone through... I think it's the three one where it's the picture of the zombie and it says a person turning into a zombie or something like that and it's like a, a screenshot from the fucking intro. There's a picture of the clock tower as well, isn't there? Yeah. That's not a numbered photo yeah. file, I think. Is it not? I don't think the real Canon one is either now, now that I think about it. What, what are you going for, Mr. Spencer? The one with the city, the zombie, uh, where it's like a person turning into a zombie, it's like just a close-up of a zombie's face, and it's just okay. a fucking screen cap from the main intro, the CG intro. Points there for... Rombie and Mr. Spencer is the zombie photo. It says on the back, the dead walk. Ah, that's what it said, yeah. But yes, it's the zombie. So well done. Let's tally up those final scores. First place this week, it's Batman with four out of five. Well done, Bats. And then in joint second, it's Rombie and Mr. Spencer with two. And trailing behind them is Star's Tyrant with just the one this week. <gasps> is that the first uh, time I've ever beaten Star's Tyrant in a quiz? You've beaten me about it, three or four times. Have I? Yeah. Oh. I'm always coming oh. last. It's not a bad thing, though. It's the taking part that counts. So thank you very much for listening to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Join us next time when we'll have some more questions. I hope everyone enjoyed the quiz and the podcast. It was, this is very much the kind of follow-up to what we uh, basically ran out of juice in doing in the last podcast because we, we did record for quite a long time. Four hours, I think, the last the podcast was brutally cut down. I think most people just assumed Mr. Spencer was cut out of a lot of it. <laughs> and really, the next one's really up to Capcom's timetable now, isn't it? Because we have no real time frame of not a hero. And That's Vendetta's, right. Vendetta's still June, July, is it? End of May in and Japan. End of May in Japan. Yeah, if it comes out on 
DVD or something, yeah, so everyone will watch it. So yes, it will depend. We'll either have um, and Vendetta or we'll be doing the big Resident Evil 7 follow-up. So we hope you all enjoyed our, our podcast. We will see you all soon. So it's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye from me, Rombie. And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Spencer.